Welcome to the Australia-Columbia Dialogue podcast, where we sit down for coffee or tea with some of Australia and Colombia's biggest names in government, business, industry, academia and more to talk about work, life and everything that brings Australia and Colombia together. And now your host, Cesar Alvarez. Thank you very much, Jason, for joining us um, to this episode of the Australia Colombia Dialogue podcast. I know it's been a long time since the last time we've seen. Um, last time I think we we saw each other was in uh, was it in Colombia? I think it was. You know, I think we were both in tuxedos at the time at a at a function in whenever that was. Um, late 2019 from memory yeah yeah it's incredible how how quickly time passes but again yeah jason it is a pleasure to have you in the podcast as you know we've been toying with this idea of promoting and letting everyone know about the true leaders uh behind this australia colombia um, relationship for us it's a pleasure to have you um there is so many words to describe to you um because we now you have a you know, a background uh, with banking, consultancy, and obviously mining. But I think the best idea that I came up with is you're truly, truly, truly a gold explorer. So, so yeah. tell us a little bit about um, uh, your background and, you know, um, geology, banking, consultancy. Uh, please go on. Yeah, look, it all sounds a little random when you say it like that, but there is a there is a common thread through the whole thing. So I was originally a geologist. I did a degree in, in geology at UWA in, in Perth and and worked as a geologist for, for a little while. And then um, I, I travelled around the world for uh, for a year and a half doing the, the usual thing that young Australians do. And I came back and it was a lull in the in the mining industry. So um, I thought, well, the chances of, uh, of getting a job as a young geologist is, is pretty limited. So I did an MBA. Uh, well, I, I did a, a conversion to teach geology and do an MBA at night while I was teaching geology. And um, from there, with that uh, MBA background, I got into consulting. And so I worked in mining-related industries, but it wasn't really geology. It wasn't technical. It was more board strategy and, and, and similar in the mining industry. But the company I worked for also had a strength in banking. So I found myself on on banking projects. And more and more as I developed a sort of a an expertise on the banking side, doing various things in, in private banking and, and similar, I found myself doing more and more banking consulting assignments rather than mining or geology assignments or mining industry assignments. And that ultimately led to me returning to Perth and becoming the um, the manager of all of Bankwest's uh, projects. So I'm um, looking after their, their project portfolio. Um, and around about that time, I, I decided I would uh, like to get stronger or back into the mining industry and uh, became a, the general manager of a metallurgical consultancy. And then the managing, then the general manager of a much larger metallurgical consultancy. And then I was talking to a, a friend of mine who was in recruitment and said, well, you've actually got the trifecta to be the managing director of a junior explorer. You've got geology, you've got banking, and you've got metallurgy. And uh, as you say, truly gold, uh, well, truly, truly metal, um, <laughs> mining, that's for sure. Um, it's been the same ever since. So I've been the managing director of not, so, not, not entirely gold projects, so we have lead and zinc and, and nickel and, and a few other things as well. But um, I've, I've worked uh, around the world as the MD of, of juniors for quite a while now. 
Is this what you had in mind when you first started uh, <laughs> geology? Uh, no, no. Sometimes I have to sit back and think, how, how did I finish up here? I, I'm very happy where I am, but how did I finish up here? It's been a few moments like that in my life because uh, I've also, um, I, I mentioned to you, but not in the previous bio, that uh, I worked for a while in Kazakhstan. And yes. as a result of that was uh, appointed the honorary consul of, of Kazakhstan in Australia. So I, I find myself in some very unusual circumstances and often wonder how I got here. <laughs> it is one of the reasons why I, I was referring to you in my introduction as a truly a gold explorer, because um, I know you led some very early projects in Kazakhstan uh, doing some gold exploration over there. Also, uh, part of your journey has led you to Africa in Botswana, if I'm not Mm. Uh, if I'm correct. Um, and now, obviously, the Andes. I know you, you've got a, a history of, of, of truly commit, committed and commitment to, to the region in Ecuador, Peru, and obviously now Colombia. Tell us a little bit about this, this journey with, with your role as managing director of, of um, companies that have truly embraced the, I would say, the opportunity and the potential that the region, the Andes, has to offer to junior and obviously the big players in the mining industry. Yeah, so me, me personally, I think I've developed a bit of a skill set from for dealing in not so much unusual jurisdictions, but companies active in those areas that are going through massive transformation. So in the case of Los Cerros, massive expansion, you know, we've gone from a from a market cap of $7 million to $100 million in the space of 18 months. So those big trans transformations is kind of where, where I've developed a niche uh, in my career. Um, in, in terms of why Colombia, uh, there's, there's two reasons for that. The, the main one is uh, because Colombia's history over the last 40 years has had a lot of problems with, with the internal conflict and, and similar. It was difficult to explore in those areas because those areas were often quite dangerous to explore in. And so for, let's say, 40 years, exploration was not moving at a pace in Colombia than it was in many parts of the world, most of the world, and especially with new exploration techniques emerging, geophysics and similar emerging. Uh, Colombia missed out on a lot of that. And so there's a buildup of potential discoveries in Colombia that have already been discovered in many parts of the world because they've had the last 40 years to discover them. That's in the future of Colombia. And, and that's, that's what appeals to me from, from that perspective. It's just such a fantastic opportunity given the, um, the, uh, the potential for big discoveries going forward. And that only happens a few places in the world at any one particular time where there's these opportunities for, for whatever reason that you have this sort of potential for massive discoveries that, um, that perhaps were in the, in the past of many other parts of the world. And this so that's, that's the, go on, sorry. And this is, this is perhaps, a, you know, one of the interesting bits of, of, of the history of Colombia that um, the potential is there because uh, I was looking at some of, 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 of the information out there in the internet and you can see that spine on, on South America, which is full, full of discoveries, uh, not only gold, but other precious metals, but, but Colombia due to these, um, you know, history, uh, um, um, couldn't actually tap into that potential. But I think this is where you come in now, where fully tapping into that um, new outlook that the country has uh, after the peace process. Uh, and obviously 
the interest that companies like the one that you're directing at the moment uh, see in, in Colombia, that geological potential? That's right. You know, the, the geology of Colombia is no different, you know, at a very, very high level, is no different to the geology of Chile, Ecuador and Peru. It's the same thing. It's the, it's the ocean plates colliding into South America, creating the Andes Mountains and lots of fluid flow and the potential for gold and other um, metals to, set, to settle down. Right? So geologically, it's the same as everywhere else. So there's no reason why that level of discovery you see in the last 40 years of, of other parts of the spine of South America should also apply to Colombia. And uh, yeah, it's a great opportunity, and a great place to be. What are some of the of the key takeaways that you you can uh, outline uh, from the time that you've spent uh, in in Colombia and and broadly in the region? Mm. Look, I, I think the the first, if I look at Colombia itself, as opposed to the relationship between Colombia and Australia, Colombia is a very sophisticated country. You know, it's, it's people often think, you know, it's 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 not as developed as it really is. I mean, it has a higher literacy rate than Australia and then, you know, very educated people, very professional, very Western in their way of thinking and similar. So I, I found that very comforting. You know, you, you can go in and do business in Colombia and, and you know how things will how things will move forward. You know, you, you they're predictable as opposed to, you know, some countries where, you you know, you don't know what's going to happen <laughs> the next month or next year. So that's, that's good. It's, it's predictable and therefore the, the sort of the, the risk profile is lower as a result of that. From an, uh, from a, an Australia-Columbia perspective, look, I, I think as, as much as the, the peace accord, um, which is what, six years ago now, something like that, has dramatically changed uh, Colombia, Australia still thinks of you know of Colombia from 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 narcos and similar and so you've got to battle that perception of um of the history of Colombia and you know get people to, uh, to understand that it's not the Colombia Colombia today is not the Colombia of 20 years ago exactly uh, in mm. terms of of making businesses in Colombia because you have um you know a first hand in the field uh, expertise uh, in making you know building a and and business in Colombia. So can you share a, a little bit more about that, especially from an outsider's perspective? Because I know uh, 98, if not 99% of your workforce are Colombian. So uh, it is my understanding that only you and your CFO are the only Australians in the company. In a company that has grown so much, is it is my understanding that now you have around more than 100 employees. Yeah, you've essentially answered the question for me, so thank you. Um, look, yeah, I think that's that's right. I mean, we have, if you look at the the number of people directly employed by by Los Cerros at uh, at Quinchia and in the Andes region, it's it's around about a hundred. It's quite fluid, obviously, because we're doing field programs, so we employ more people and then and so on. So it moves around. But if you say typically a hundred people, then yes, you're right. Uh, Ninety eight of those are Colombians. It's just myself and the CFO that are not. And that, I think, is, is a key element to our success uh, in Colombia. It's because we are essentially a Colombian company. It just so happens to be that you know, the MD is an Australian, but uh, we pretty, um, pretty much are a Colombian company. And um, we've demonstrated through our actions that we are dedicated to Colombia and, and particularly the local economies, you know, in Kinchia in particular, where we're active at the moment. You know, they say 98 people are Colombians. Well, almost all of those, well, that's an exaggeration. Let's say 60, 60 of those 98 or so are from the local towns. And it's not like we've moved them into those local towns and they're going to leave again. They're, 
they live there, their, their families are there, their parents are there, and, and so on. So uh, we're very much part of the local economy. And I think that's an absolute critical element of our success. One of the things that I've come across in, in the evolution of, of uh, Andy's resources and now uh, the merger with Medninco and following up to the creation of Loceros um, is your interest in, in working very closely with the community. As you said before, you, you know, out of 60, out of those 100 employees, 60 are from those communities. I know you've been working in very interesting projects in corporate social responsibility. Uh, tell us a little, a little bit of uh, Kinships. <laughs> you remember Kinships? Well done. Yeah, Kinships was a was a project, one of many actually. We have we have many of these projects, but it's one that has quite a high profile. What we did is we engaged with the local community uh, through a community led. Um, process to identify opportunities for businesses or, or industries uh, in the in the region, and one of those bubbling to the surface was uh, creating uh, plantain chips, uh, banana chips, uh, you know, just in a little packet like like potato chips. Uh, and um, so we we put that idea, which came from you know a, a group uh, a group conversation between us and the community, we put that idea to some independent people to assess the viability of it and, and whether it was has the chance of being successful or not. And they came back and said, yes, this, this, this actually might work. So what we did is we, um, we, we took, uh, I don't remember the exact number now, let's say 16, it might, maybe 20, something like that, uh, female uh, miners, uh, either directly working under the, in the mines and obviously quite a dangerous um, industry, uh, or the, the partners of people that were working in the mine. And we, we trained them in all aspects of running a retail business. So health and safety, logistics, marketing, promotion, business administration, accounting, management, and so on. We trained them in, in all those things through local universities and, and, and similar. And um, we had a building on one of our properties that we own, and we converted that to a, to a small factory. And um, through uh, through training and similar, we launched these these kinships, uh, selling uh, potato chips or banana chips in the local community. Uh, I know, um, well, I hope I haven't heard the latest, but the Columbian Gold Symposium on in two weeks' time. I think every person participating in that will get a packet of, of kinships. I think the follow-up question is, uh, when are we going to be able to get them in Australia? <laughs> I'm working on that. <laughs> I'm working on that. I'm Stay taking, tuned. Taking notes for that, <laughs> <laughs> Jason. You've you've been a you know a champion of of community uh, in Colombia, especially in, in Antioquia. Uh, but uh, now you're also not now, but you've been long for a long time and now, but now officially a, a champion of women in mining in Colombia. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So when. When we were at Andes, so before we, we merged to form Los Cerros, I, um, I, I had adopted the um, United Nations 17 Sustainable Development Goals, or as best we can as a junior. You know, there's certain things that just beyond our reach, but taking the principles of the SDGs and, and applying them to, to our company. And, of course, one of those is, is, is equity, and not just equity in gender, but in other areas of, of equity as well. And so it was a key element of, of, of how we function, how we, how we work and who we employ and, and where we focus and similar. Of course, you probably know this, but our country manager for, for um, the McKinchia region is, is a very successful, um, very competent woman. 
um, running the entire operation in that area. And we have others in the team as well. And I, go, I guess that focus and the fact that Kinchia was um, specifically targeted um, to, to help women um, um, in employment in, in the local region uh, was ultimately acknowledged uh, by Women in Mining Colombia and um, uh, the efforts of the company uh, translated to me becoming a, a champion of Women in Mining in Colombia. One of the one of the logical questions, I, I guess, is we, we're now going through uh, uh, still so many people going through difficult times. Uh, so many industries impacted uh, due to the effects of the pandemic. But tell us how, how your company, Loceros, transitioned through these last eighteen to twenty-four months uh, when we had these terrible effects of the pandemic. What yeah. did, what was the the picture on your end? Mm. For us, it's almost been business as usual for most of that time, and that's through a combination of, of good disciplines on our side, but also just circumstances. As we've said already, most of the people live in Kinchia. Now, Kinchia is at the end of a road. It's, there's no through traffic. So if you're in Kinchia, you're going there with intention. You're not just driving through and, and stopping. So it was relatively easy compared to most places to control uh, contact mm -hmm. and, and therefore the spread of COVID. So Kinchia as a little isolated little island, if you like, has done very well. Of course, it's in the community, but it's very manageable. And they've done they've done very well in in the broader Colombian sort of scene, which which has had difficult moments. Fortunately, we're seeing uh, great improvements now, but there was some very dark days for, for all of Colombia. So from that perspective, uh, Kinchia and, and the bulk of the team were very fortunate to be in that area. Um, on the other side, we were very quick to implement disciplines to help manage the situation. So people were, were always in isolation before they went into the bigger teams, you know, when they're coming in and out from their rosters and so on. Uh, but also the teams themselves worked in pods. So we had teams of eight or 10 or whatever was appropriate, and they never crossed each other. So they never mixed between those pods. So if we did, did see corona appear in one of those pods, we knew we had to quarantine eight people not 100 people. So um, it, it worked very well from us from that perspective as well. And of course, we worked with, with the broader industry to, um, to get some additional vaccines, not drawing on, on, the, on the country's reserves, but independently of that, uh, to, um, to vaccinate our team and, and their families and, and actually spill over into the community as well. Now that we are most of, most of the world, and certainly Colombia and Australia are you know, moving to the future, with uh, Corona in the past, to some extent, uh, what's ahead for for Los Eros in Colombia? Mm, I, I think um, our premier will let us travel soon. <laughs> so um, uh, I hope Fingers to be crossed. over there. Uh, <laughs> hope to be over there in February, March of this year. I think is probably the first opportunity I'll get to travel over to Colombia. And there's, I'm looking forward to it. It's been a long time since I've been there. Uh, but in terms of our operations, as I said, we, we've hardly been impacted. The only time we feel it really is when we need to get things from the port or bring things in from, from Bogota or Medellin. Then, then we notice it because it obviously takes a, longer, it's a lot longer and uh, less reliable. But in terms of our operations, it's, it's pretty much business as usual. What's going to be the first thing you're going to do when you touch down in Colombia? <laughs> um, I've been there enough now to know where all the best restaurants are. That's, that's what I'm trying to go to. <laughs> so uh, yes, I, I have a, I have a list of restaurants that I'll I'll slowly work through over a few weeks. I think that's great.
Uh, <laughs> Jason, you, you, you've been obviously um, for so many years in, in this uh, journey of becoming a, a managing director. Uh, is a you know you're a successful entrepreneur. Tell us, um, share with us a little bit more about those lessons that you have collected over the last, I would say, 15, 20 years managing mm. um, mining mm. companies. And, and you've been in so many interesting places. I'm pretty sure you have very good insights for the people that um, slowly but surely are trying to scope what's out there. And they are considering Colombia as a future investment uh, target for them. Yeah, that's a very deep philosophical question. You know, look, I when I look at my career and I go, what was it that ultimately, in terms of you know, sort of my my, my makeup that got me to where I am, and and I think it's problem solving is is one, but I think the other is actually being comfortable with ambiguity. You know, I think a lot of people um, resist taking the leap because they don't know where they're going to land at the other side. You know, they don't know what's there. I think I'm comfortable managing risk, of course, managing all those risks as best you can, but going, okay, they're just accepting that there are some things I don't know till I get there. And, and then let's get there and then let's see where we go from there. So being comfortable with that ambiguity. And of course, that's a, a key element of being an exploration company because the ambiguity is you don't know whether you're going to make a discovery or not. And just being comfortable with, with that unknown until it actually transpires, you know, and Thanks, uh, thanks to our drilling and uh, and the geology of the, of the Miocene, we have a pretty significant discovery in the form of Tesorito in uh, Quinchia. Yeah, I, I was about to ask you about that Tesorito Miraflores in in Quinchia. How are your projects going? Mm. Well, as you know, Miraflores is is an advanced project, so we haven't done much on that since since the merger. So it hasn't really moved since 2017, other than going through various approvals and such with the government at the moment. Uh, the real success story is, is Tesserito. When we started, it had a few holes of interest. Mm -hmm. there, were, there were two in particular that were interesting levels of gold of a very significant intercepts. And now we're up to hole 40 something. So, um, and they've delivered some spectacular drilling results. In fact, some of those intercepts that we've put out over the last 18 months are globally significant intercepts. Uh, two of them in particular, um, hole 16, which, which will mean nothing to you, but hole 16, for example, I think sat in the top 10 drill results for any company anywhere in the world listed on the Australian Stock Exchange for about five months. It was in the top 10 drill results. So it gives you an idea of how significant those results are. And added to that is that these results are on the surface. So, you know, porphyry's as a type of gold mineralization, are usually quite deep. So you've usually got to go down 100 metres, 200 metres to find these things. Tesserito is actually sitting on the surface. So um, we're very fortunate in that regard. Is this is this why also um, you've attracted so much uh, international interest? I know you've, you've been um, successful at fundraising uh, uh, capital from, from the mm. US, the UK. I know you've got uh, good money in the bank. Uh, which I know you have to think strategically how to spend it now that you have some very good results over the last few months, uh, let's say years. Yeah, so um, the, the we did capital raising in July. And again, that was a real step change in the company. Uh, we welcomed to globally significant, you know, the, the top of the top, if you like, in terms of precious metal funds. Uh, joined our, our company, taking 5% of the company each, so 10%. 
and uh, we also raise money through existing shareholders and, and as you mentioned um, out of the UK as well so we've got some some north of 20 million dollars in the bank and that allows us to think quite strategically at the moment you know as, as a junior quite often you have to think from drill hole to drill hole which may not be the best strategic decision to make but you have to think that way but with 20 million dollars in the bank you can be far more strategic and, and methodical and, and go for a for a longer strategic timeline and uh, so it's, it's great to have that have that backing behind us absolutely we've talked uh, you know so far about the mining your experience your 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 commitment to the community in colombia um as you said no one goes to kinchia uh without intention and you're clearly a man of, of very good intentions. What the work that you've been doing in Colombia, uh, not only for your company, but obviously that commitment to to help the communities around the, the fields that you are currently working on at the moment tells a lot about your your you know your caliber as a professional, but also as a human being. Which is where I'm trying to turn on the conversation to. Um, Jason Stirvinskin's the man. So one of the questions I had, you have to tell me about the origins of of, of your family, the Stirvinskins. Mm -hmm. Well, first, first of all, let, let me say all those accolades you just piled onto me uh, should be onto the company. Uh, yes, I'm the face of the company, but those decisions are not made by me and me alone. They're made by the company. And so we're all aligned in, in those objectives, absolutely. Uh, now, in terms of my surname, it's actually Lithuanian. So, um, part of the former Soviet Union, uh, one of the Baltic states on the uh, on the western side of, of the Soviet Union. So that's that's its background, and maybe that's got something to do with um, my uh, my interest in travelling and and uh, not being nervous about unusual countries. You know, like Kazakhstan, for example. Even though Kazakhstan is on the complete other side of of the former Soviet Union, it did have that sort of Soviet element to it from just like Lithuanian. I've been to Lithuania some some ten times, so um, have that that ease with dealing with um, areas where perhaps you don't know what's what's entirely going on when you get there, but you soon enough work out. Is there anything that you encounter in Colombia that you weren't expecting? <laughs> um, anything I encountered in Colombia that I weren't expecting? Uh, I think the people are far more friendly than than you would assume. Especially in the smaller towns, I mean, obviously they're, they're cautious of, of strangers. But once you get past that, um, they're, they're such a warm people. Um, I really enjoy that. You know, when you go to the towns and you sit in the in the squares in the evening and, and have a meal or something, and everyone's just very very friendly, and uh, the, the the sort of the the atmosphere is fantastic. You don't see that in Australia as much, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, I think it's one of the distinctiveness of of, of Colombian culture, and uh, it's um, you know the people as well. Is quite friendly, especially once yeah. we go into into rural areas. I know this because um, my mom's family side is is from the coffee region, not far from Antioquia. Um, yeah, it's it's one of the things that you know in these times where we we're not allowed to travel, we truly truly missed in being able to catch up with family. Um, how's been <clears throat> the, the the lockdown and the pandemic for you as a person, not as a MD, but as a person? Well, I always worked from home, so um, because of the time difference, you know, thirteen-hour time difference uh, doesn't make sense to, to to work from an office because I'm usually on the phone at five a.m. and, and eleven p.m. and have a big space in the middle when everyone else in the company is asleep. So um, I've always worked from home, so that hasn't really affected me 
that all that much. Um, it's it's yeah, it's it's been business as usual from my perspective as well in that regard. So I've been very lucky. You know, the the, the company's doing really well. We haven't been um, uh, impacted heavily by COVID, and um, my operations here hasn't changed all that much either, other than becoming far more proficient in. Uh, in uh, interviews and and uh, webinars and similar. <laughs> How many? I think you've you've done a, a quite fit, a, a quite a lot of uh, podcast interviews and yeah and video conferences over the last eighteen months. Yeah, I, I, me and everybody else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's one of the good sides of of the pandemic. Perhaps one of the few ones. Yeah, look, I don't think it'll ever go back to the way it was. To be honest, I think uh, business travel has changed forever now. It's it, and you know, Los Cerros is, is proof in the pudding that uh, you don't need to be there for the company to run as as often as you think for the company to run run so efficiently. You can do a lot of work over the internet. Amazing, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Um, that's that ambiguity thing as well. You know, I, I was already heavily reliant on webinars and, and um, teleconferencing and things like that. But uh, now everyone else has worked out that you can actually do it. You can work from home um, and um, and be very successful still. Yeah. Some of us, we just discover <laughs> all, all these benefits. Uh, but, but for a person like you, I, I think that one of the, the trickiest part is, is not having that flexibility to fly back to Colombia yeah. for those um, mass presence um, you know, meetings or issues that involve you to be physically there yeah look there are you know you can achieve most things but you can't achieve everything you still need to be there face to face form those relationships it's so much easier once you've sat down with someone and and, and met them and shook their hand and similar uh, to get business done that's for sure i know it's hard to paint a, a picture of the evolution over the last few years particularly due to the pandemic of how broadly the Australia-Colombia relationship has evolved, but uh, but you're a man with, with a very interesting insight because you you clearly move uh, very close to work, very close to the community, but also with with government, especially dealing with uh, um, you know licenses and issues that uh, are part of your daily work environment. How do you see the evolution of, of, of the last few years, over the last few years of the Australia-Colombia relationship? Mm. Look, I think there are enormous opportunities between the two countries that haven't been realised yet. Um, and I, and I don't, don't ask me to diagnose why that's the case, but you, you just see opportunities and you think, why, why hasn't something been done in, in that area? Um, renewable energy is is one. I, I think there's enormous opportunities there in renewable energy, particularly um, because because again, if we go back to the, the 40 years of, of, of conflict, there's a, a, an infrastructure gap in Colombia as they're frantically you know trying to deal with the, with lack of investment in infrastructure during those difficult times. There must be enormous opportunities for for Australian companies to to get involved in that. So, yeah, that's just one example. But I see other opportunities like that to to develop. I think um, culturally, there's a, there's a strong link between the countries. I think we, the languages are different, but I, we think similarly. I think, you know, I, I think there is the uh, an understanding that uh, that both countries share. So. Um, I'd like to see greater opportunities in terms of mining. Um, as best I know, I think we're the only ASX-listed company that has any sort of momentum at the moment in Colombia. So I'd like to see a few more peers, if you don't mind, 
um, on the ASX active in Colombia. Uh, with more companies in the area, there's more familiarity and uh, hopefully greater successes. What are some of the, of the, the things that you, you have learned to laugh uh, from Colombia? Learn, learn to laugh? To laugh, to laugh. To, to love, okay. Um, I, one thing that really surprised me uh, is when you get into a taxi in, in Colombia, people uh, more often than not are listening to traditional Colombian music, even the youth, you know, they're not listening to Americanized music, they're listening to Colombian music. And uh, I think that's brilliant. Now, you don't see that in many parts of the world. They're all uh, in their in their broken English trying to sing along to American songs. And uh, that I found very, very pleasant, you know, in Colombia that they um, they hold on to that uh, culture, even even the youth hold on to that culture and enjoy that music. And taking that further, you know, I, I love sitting in the in the town squares and listening to the to the music. Uh, we occasionally found ourselves in uh, Hardin, uh, near where we were active, um, in a fair fair drive away, but a beautiful town. And the horses would come out on a Friday night and they would trot around the square and things like that. I can't imagine that ever happening in Australia. So I, I do miss that. I do miss that part of it. I miss um, dealing with the team. You know, that we've got some great people in the in the team in Colombia, particularly out in the field. Uh, I miss uh, walking around, looking at rocks with those guys. Looking forward to getting back there. I'm curious about about your team. You clearly have have led so many uh, companies and teams. Uh, is there any distinctive about uh, Colombians as employees? Um, not not distinctive. I, I think I see this universally. But in the most part, everybody wants to do the right thing. It's just giving them the framework within which to do that, giving them the opportunity, the trust. Uh, the capacity and maybe the skills, if you're talking about you know some areas, uh, to be able to achieve. Because everyone wants to, wants to do good, I think. Everyone wants to achieve and do well. And uh, you just got to, as an MD, create the environment for that to happen. What are some of the conditions that you need to create um, for for that environment to work on your favour? Uh, from my perspective, what what I think is important one is predictability. Mm -hmm. So the, the rules are the rules, and people know if you do this. You get rewarded if you do this. You know, you get you, there are consequences. So I think consistency is really important. Mm -hmm. um, I think a company becomes quite fragmented if you don't have that consistency in in how things are managed and and predictability. You know, people after time begin to think how I would think, so they know what my answer would be if if I was in that situation. And that that I think is fantastic. I think uh, trust, knowing uh, people knowing that they can. Um, be bold, you know, take moves, take steps, know, know the limits, but being able to, 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 to take a chance, if you like, mm -hmm. on opportunities and speak up. And that's something that um, uh, I really focus on with the team in Colombia. You know, culturally, they, they tend to be more respectful of, of senior management and things like that, and they, they don't tend to want to speak up immediately. Uh, so it's just giving them the, the trust and the comfort to be able to say, you know, just, just because I'm the MD doesn't mean I'm right. Chances are I'm wrong. So you need to speak up and be confident in doing that. And I think that's, an, that's a very important element of it. That's great. It's a, it's a great um, cultural um, difference in a working environment. For us who have been uh, privileged enough to work in, in both, both countries, um, you know, it's something that you, you quickly learn that uh, makes a, a very huge difference uh, working in Colombia and working in Australia. How do you deal with, with your senior management? Mm. Uh, but it's good, you know. We have had uh, 
um, I would say that that ability of of having those two cultures, working cultures, embedded in our in our working environment every day. Jason, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, some of 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 the roles that you played in in diplomacy. You mentioned before you're the honorary consul for Kazakhstan, but um, but I know that you are a, a man of many trades. So what's what's uh, on your pipeline at the moment in trying to promote Australia-Colombia relations and, and any other countries that you are working in at the moment? <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's obviously Kazakhstan. I still hold the honorary consul role uh, for Kazakhstan. Uh, so that, that role is... It's an honorary consul role, so it's not as if it's particularly taxing on me, but uh, uh, that's involved in creating opportunities or helping other companies or other people that have found opportunities uh, to, to point them in the right direction with links into Kazakhstan or vice versa, links into Australia from, from Kazakhstan. Uh, one of the, the things that I think um, is a massive opportunity between Colombia and Australia that uh, I'd like to see develop further is your exceptionally fine coffee. Uh, I think there's a massive opportunity there to go direct uh, from Colombia to Australia and not going through the main major coffee houses. Um, and, and there's a gentleman here in Perth that's doing that. Uh, his name's uh, Mauricio uh, Velasquez is his surname. Uh, and he imports directly from, uh, from Colombia from um, uh, a commune of farmers and uh, sells it directly into um, Australian coffee shops and such. So bypasses the various middle layers of, of that. So um, I'd, I'd love to see that develop further as well. And if we can do something at a, at a diplomatic level to make that happen, then let's do it. Let's uh, let's see what we can do. Um, now, there's, there's plenty of opportunities from that side. I, uh, I, I do, um, I value the position that being the MD of a company gives you in, in the opportunity to speak to ministers on both sides, more so in, in Colombia than here, because obviously that's where the activity is. So. Um, it's a very important part of, your, of, of any role of an MD is to be able to um, acknowledge that you have access to people that most people don't and you have the opportunity then to, to raise issues or ideas with those people. And, and I think in my view is that uh, people like you in your position, you, you naturally become uh, ambassadors of, of, of the country that you, uh, you have your investments in or you're working on at the moment. And I've seen your work very closely and and I admire your commitment to advance and promote anything that brings Australia and Colombia closer together. Um, I think one of the 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 buts in, in this process is is obviously the the distance, isn't it? It's mm. sometimes the time difference, uh, and obviously the geographical distance. Despite all the technology that we have and the means that we have to create these connections. Um, makes us pay a price to things not moving fast mm. enough. Thirteen-hour time difference is not helpful. No, not at all. Not at all. And, and the bureaucracies of the two countries can often get in the way of things moving as, as fast as you would hope as well. But uh, you know, thirteen hours is not helpful. Yeah, I wish. Um, you know, we're praying for direct flights before the the pandemic. I know we that was very a uh, very you know well ongoing project. Uh, a, a direct flight, perhaps with a stopover in in Peru, before going yeah. to to Bogota. Uh, but you know the the pandemic hit and everything came to yeah. a stop. Hopefully, we get yeah, to there's... see a change for, uh, recently. Agreed. Yeah, there's um 
there's no convenient way to get to to Bogota from Perth. There's only inconvenient ways, and I'm looking forward to a far more direct pathway. Jason, uh, one last thing: um, How do you describe Colombia in one word? <laughs> um, one word. Okay, challenge. Um, exciting. Exciting. Great. It's been exciting and a, truly a pleasure to have you, Jason, in the Australia-Colombia Dialogue podcast. Um, we look forward to see Los Cerros keep growing and uh, succeeding in every single project that you embark on in, in Colombia that brings benefit not only f um, for Colombians, but also to Australians. Uh, we wish you all the best for this next year that is, is around the corner. Uh, you know that uh, from the team behind the Australia-Colombia Dialogue, we will be supporters of everything, everything and every initiative that uh, you embark on in, in Colombia. It was a pleasure, Jason. Thank you very much for your time and for your interest. And uh, let's hope we get to meet face-to-face -face soon, huh? Fingers Maybe crossed. one of those restaurants in Colombia. Huh? Fingers crossed. Thank you for listening to the Australia-Colombia Dialogue podcast. If you like this episode, please share leave a comment, review the show on iTunes, Spotify, or in your favorite podcast app. You can find more about the dialogue at oscoldialogue.org. That is A-U-S-C-O-L dialogue.org. Or on any of our social media platforms where you can also connect with our team. Our show is presented to you by Cesar Alvarez, produced by Jose Ruiz, edited by Ethan McMaster and Bernard Aji. This is the Australia-Colombia Dialogue, advancing and promoting our country's bilateral relations.